Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. Question, what do you do when your ideas are not well-received? Maybe you've put something out into the world and you've even attracted some haters. How do you handle these situations? For some of us, it's going to create stress, shame, and even rage. But there's an innovative strategy that can help you not only feel great about the situation, but improve on it. If you've been tuning in regularly, you're going to recall that last month I had Eric McDermott on the show. He's the really accomplished equity partner at a financial services firm by day and sensational visual storyteller on TikTok by night with two Stevie's awards and over half a million followers. Well, he's back, but this time we're going to talk about something quite different, how to embrace the haters and even turn them into raving fans. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sharon. It's great to be here again. Yes. So there's just so much about this that I'm excited about. People that are just tuning in have no idea why I'm so excited. So let's back up for a second. So the reason I wanted to have you back is because, as we mentioned, you have lots of people following you on TikTok, which is great. However, whenever we attract lots of people and we put ourselves out there, we're also going to attract the opposite. We're going to attract people who have something not so great to say. And sometimes it's not really going through a filter and it can be hurtful. It can be discouraging for you as somebody who doesn't get paid to do this. You're doing this on your own time. You're putting out entertaining content. You're putting out educational content and then for somebody to show up and say, you suck or whatever it is that they say to you can be really upsetting, right? And this is true regardless of whether it's on social media or we talk about like people who are in movies and then they don't read the reviews because there's people saying all kinds of horrible things about their performance. It's kind of like wherever you are in the world, if you have that sort of experience, it can be a real downer for people. And what I love about your approach is that you found an innovative way of dealing with this. So tell us a little bit about the history of kind of what brought you to this point and why you're doing it in this kind of new way and what that actually is. Sure. Sure. Well, it should be fun. When I started my TikTok channel a couple of years ago, for the most part, it was overwhelmingly supportive. And yet all of a sudden you'd get these every now and again, comments that were really mean, like mean spirited and hurtful in their tone. And I remember asking other creators, like, what did they do? How did they handle this? Because I was, I was 
curious, like what is the conventional wisdom amongst creators and how to handle that? And what I got back was just ignore it, just ignore it because you don't want to fuel the flames, right? You don't want to, to give them any more to work from because it will just inflame them. And so what I thought I would do is even though I didn't, I, I heeded their advice for several months and the long story short of a version is it was the end of 2021. And I thought there's got to be something creative. I'm a creative guy by nature. And I thought there's got to be a creative way to do something with these troll comments that would effectively like what would be the equivalent of taking lemons and making them into lemonade. And so what I did is I took those troll comments and I did my first ever dad rap in the history of my life. <laughs> by stitching together their troll comments as lyrics in a rap song. And I just had fun with it. And that video did very well. I mean, like tens of thousands of likes and all kinds of followers coming through and all this coming through. And there was this, I don't know how to put it, a wave of people that were just like, yeah, show the haters, like, don't let them bring you down. And that was cool. That was fun. In fact, so much fun that I've made it an annual tradition. And I just actually launched uh, my third annual troll rap, right? Who knew I'd be rapping, which much to the cringe of my children who came up to me when I first decided I was going to do the very first rap, I remember my son came up to me and said, dad, have you thought about your digital footprint? So yes, son. Yes, I have. I do like though that my teenage son is warning me about my digital footprint. So it. in any event though, what happened though is that that's been a lot of fun and I enjoy doing those. And I do notice that I think a lot of folks wish to have some reaction to the hate. I think on social media, a lot of times the way people come at it is that they meet the hate with more hate. And then it just escalates. And while that can be attention getting, it's not what I was after. I was after mm -hmm. creating smiles and having fun with it and showing people that it's not affecting me in an adverse way because I choose to orient to it this way. And that's not to say that I'm somehow impervious to all feedback that's negative in nature. But in this case, it turned my energy into thinking about those hateful comments as hate and much more as like, really just the opportunity to be creative and make lyrics and do something fun with it. But something else happened after a couple of years of doing what a lot of creators had suggested. Of course, the troll comments kept coming in. Mm -hmm. And I decided in this year, at the beginning of this year, to try something a little bit different too. I decided to ignore the conventional wisdom. And instead of not responding to the trolls, I thought to myself, I wonder if I were to respond to them, not with hate, but instead hug the haters. Like what would happen if I came back just as a normal human, perhaps identifying with what it is that they had said and, and wanting to understand better what had them say that, or if they're expressing something really annoying or frustrating, going, that could be frustrating. I'm, I'm certainly not everybody's cup of tea, but I do wish you the best. And coming up with a way that was genuine, because I really don't wish them any harm. And I had this premise that they didn't wish me harm either. I just had this premise that in fact, they, I mean, again, I have a, so one of my majors in college is social sociology, right? Okay. And so this fits in this sort of experiment world where I would sort of challenge these social norms. And I am under a premise here that part of what's causing this is this sense of anonymity. When we're in social media, we're going into someone's channel and we're leaving a comment. There's hundreds, if not thousands of comments on some of these where it's like, 
I'm a drop in the bucket, right? Nobody knows who I am on this thing. I can say whatever I want and there's no ramifications. And I think that there's a disconnect from humanity, Mm -hmm. meaning I think they forget there's a human being on the other side because they're digital natives. So for many of them, they grew up where much of their communication was this asynchronous, leaving comments, social media, things like that, as opposed to -to face-to-face in person where you clearly were looking at a human being. I think the closest our generation probably got to that would have been getting frustrated with somebody driving next to you. I was going to say, that's the perfect example because we see like when we think of them just like as a car, right? It's almost like a video game where there's like that, you're like the Pac-Man. Frogger, (laughs) Frogger. Right? And there's like, oh my God, there's an obstacle. Let's crush it. Let's do it, right? Get out of my way. And then when... I notice either you make eye contact or let's say they stick their hand out the window and you see, oh my God, there's an arm that there's like a piece of body coming out. Like there's somebody there. There's a person attached to that arm. All of a sudden it kind of shifts in your brain, like from this, this obstacle is a car to there is a person in that car. And that person like is just like me. Right. Right. It does something to you. It completely helps you to like get back to reality out of that video game and into like, oh, this is for real. Well, it's for real and there's humans on the other side, right? So yeah, yeah. imagine you're frustrated, you want to get to work, you're driving and cut people off and you just do things. And I think to myself, would you have cut me off that way if you knew that wherever you were going, you're yes. not going to interact that's right. Or like I was your boss and we were going to like end up in a board. You're going meeting, for a right? job interview and, yeah. and and I was the one interviewing. Would you have done that? Or would right? you have done that if I was your client or honking. you were coming in, right? Any of that. I mean, look, there's yeah. a, under certain emergency situations, by all means, you sure. need to honk. But when yeah. it's just simply adding to the vocality of your message of frustration, that's probably not worth it. So anyway, I think that the Today's version of that is what's happening in a lot of the social media channels, which is there's just a forgetting of humans on the other side. And there's no ability to wave your hand and show them you're human. There's no ability for them to see your face in, in, in a synchronous fashion, like in real time. Yeah. And so I just operate under that premise. And so I started doing that in 2023. I started responding with kindness and thinking to myself, I'm going to start from the premise that they were perhaps having a bad day, forgot there's a human on the other side. And see what happens if I kill them with kindness. So what I love about this is that, first of all, if we're going to give it a name, I'm going to say this comes under the umbrella of emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence, we talk about how there's your own ability to understand your own feelings. So it's like your own self-awareness and then managing your own feelings. And then there's the social competencies, right? Like how are you interacting with other people? And oftentimes the reason that we say or do things or we feel upset is because of something that somebody else is saying or doing. And what I love about what you're saying here, which I think is a great strategy for everybody to use is first and foremost, you're seeing what other people are saying or doing, but you're jumping to a conclusion often that is negative. Like we often assume the worst, like they don't care. They're a jerk, those kinds of things. And what you're saying is don't start from that assumption. Assume that they do wish you well, that they didn't mean it personally, that maybe they're just having a hard day and come from the perspective of wanting to understand. So yeah, I can see how this might be really frustrating for you, but I hope you have a great day anyway, or whatever. Just having that 
for yourself helps you manage your own feelings and then also helps you in your interaction with other people so that, as you say, it doesn't escalate. And oftentimes you've got a total 180 where the person is all of a sudden like becoming your fan. They're like, hey, he's actually not that bad. I actually like this guy. Well, what's on point about that, there's several things, but one of the things that's really on point about that is the results I was getting. So I would put in these kind comments in response and they weren't, I don't know how to put it. They weren't that cotton candy puffery of stuff that wasn't genuine. Like I was trying to be very genuine in my mm -hmm. thinking about it mm -hmm. and 0% was the number of people that responded with more hate. Now I've done this dozens and dozens of times throughout mm -hmm. the year. And while mm -hmm. it's not statistical data, I suppose I could scrub every comment and do better to, to come up with the analysis. I'll give you my rough impression that there was a chunk of people that just didn't respond. Maybe they didn't know what to do with it. Maybe they didn't see that they had been returned on their message, whatever that might be. And then of the folks that responded, they fell into effectively two camps. One was apologizing. Like, I'm so sorry I didn't. Like, that's not what I meant. Thank you so much for understanding, that kind of thing. And the second one, they wouldn't outright apologize, but they would walk it back. I didn't really mean it. I was just joking. Like that would be yeah, the, yeah. I've got a bunch of responses. We're like, I was just kidding, man. Man, bro, usually came with it. Hey, bro, I was just messing with you. I was just kidding. I didn't really mean it. And what's fascinating though, if you read their comment though, if somebody took it like they meant, it would be really hurtful. So with most everybody that was responding with one of those two things, apologizing and or just sort of walking it back saying, I didn't really mean that mm -hmm. was really telling. And of those people, the crazy thing is, is about 20, 25% of those people that responded ended up following me. Mm -hmm. So there might've been a little bit of that too, but I think yeah. I'd like to think that it was really about creating a human connection with them. And it brought them out of that moment where you're in a car thinking mm -hmm. the other cars aren't real humans inside to realizing, oh, there's a real human there. And if I let down my guard for a second and recognize a real human, let me go watch that video again. Let mm -hmm. me go take a look at something else this person said. It's like, oh, like I had one person who literally said, never following this guy. Mm -hmm. And I wrote back and I said, I hear you. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I do wish you the best and whatever you have going, have a great day. And the person wrote back and said, I rewatched some of your videos. I'm in, I'm following. Wow. Wow. That's like mind blowing. Okay. So why this is important and because Let's talk about how we can apply this outside of social media, because not everybody's going to have a channel like yours where they're attracting right. so many views and getting haters and they need these strategies for social media. However, we do know that lots of people burn out because they work in what they consider to be toxic workplaces. So mm -hmm. let's talk about what creates a toxic workplace and how we might be able to apply this in those situations. One of the things that people talk about is either they don't get recognized for what they do. So that would be the equivalent of you putting up posts on TikTok and getting no comments. Correct. Right. Which is also frustrating in a different way, because it's like, I've put this out there. Nobody seems to care. What's the point? And a lot of times people feel like that at work. Like I've worked so hard. Nobody even says, thank you. Like, this, does this even matter to anybody? Like, why am I killing myself over here? Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then, of course, if you want to take it even like one step further, then we have the people who 
are just doing their thing at work. And then somebody's putting them in their place. They're like, you really shouldn't say anything when you go into that meeting because you're relatively new here. And there's like this hierarchical structure and just keep quiet. Those kinds of comments. I think that can be really harmful because, I mean, I personally don't really believe in that. I feel like, yeah, there might be people who have been there longer or more senior, but the whole point of bringing somebody else in is to increase the pool of points of view so that your company can be more diverse in the way that it looks at things and have more solutions. If we're going to shut people up, then what's the point of hiring them? It just doesn't make sense. And then of course, one step further from that is somebody actually saying something that is hurtful to you. And where I think, and I'd love to hear from you, but where I think some of your strategies can come in is we often become so stressed out at work when these things happen because we do take them as a personal injury, right? We take them as like something about me and that can lead us down this whole negative spiral. And what you said is don't come from the assumption that it's about you personally, come from the assumption of maybe there's another reason that this person said what they said. Maybe somebody said that to them and they're passing it on. Maybe um, they're having a bad day. Maybe they're really burned out and the stuff that's coming out of their mouth is absolutely toxic. And of course, that's no excuse, but it's not about me. It's about them, right? So I always talk about how to depersonalize the comments that you get from other people so that you don't go down that spiral and can kind of stay sound of mind so that, as you say, kind of can come back at them with curiosity and say like, hey, I'm just curious what you meant by that. Because just on the face of it, it sounded a little bit, I don't know, like put a word to it. It sounded a little negative. It sounded kind of critical. Like maybe just let's open up a dialogue about it or whatever, right? I would love to hear from you. I don't know if you've ever been in a toxic work environment. I've certainly had relationships with others that were not appropriate and I had to deal with those things, sure. Okay. And did you deal with them in a similar way to how you're dealing with people on social media now, or did that kind of come later and you can now go back and say, well, if I had to do that again, this is how I would apply these techniques. I would be kidding to think that I knew then what I know now, obviously mm -hmm. over time, it's evolved my abilities to think about it and how I orient to feedback to myself has changed over the years. So I do notice that at this point though, there's a few things. I think that if Anybody is working to become a better version of themselves, whatever that means to them. Mm -hmm. Feedback will be important. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always trying to look at this the negative feedback I may get. If it's a one-to-one -one exchange or if I'm in a meeting or and something comes back at me, I no longer make it about the sting. Like, did it sting me to receive the feedback? Because sometimes yes. getting good feedback can still sting. What I look to is what's their intention? And of course, I can't know for sure unless I ask them. And sometimes that becomes the next step. But the first thing I'm working myself through in that is I'm going, okay, so the two intentions I am okay with that coming at me is if their intention was to be constructive and helping me to improve, like mm -hmm. the feedback they gave would in fact enable me if I listened to it or found a solution to it to be a better version of myself from my point of view, right? So like I listened for that, even though I may not have enjoyed receiving it, their intention was constructive, like to help me construct 
a better way of being in the world, right? Mm -hmm. The second one I'm looking for is, is it productive? And either one's fine with me. So maybe it's not about how I can change myself, but is it productive? So it's a, more about how can we produce the situation the next time that we all know we're after more effectively. Mm -hmm. So constructive, like about me, or productive about the situation. And if it comes mm -hmm. with one of those two vantage points from my point of view, if like I listen to them, I go, I think they meant that to be constructive. And by the way, their skill may be terrible. Yeah. They may not have even been very good at how they deliver, but my skill has gotten better. So I can hear it a certain way and not take it personally if I think their intention that was one of those two things. And if I'm not sure, as long as it's a safe environment, emotionally safe environment, which for the most part I'm part of now, however, in times when it wasn't, wherever it was safe, I would ask them if I wasn't sure. Yeah. Right. And I find questions are better than statements. And I certainly find that we always have a choice. Like we can't control people. People are going to do what they're going to do, but we do have a choice we make in how we're going to respond to someone. Mm -hmm. And so if I've got to cool off, if I need a little space, so be it, it's not like sometimes in real time, I could get a little more passionate. And so I need to step away from the situation for a little bit to cool off. However, at some point I might circle back around if I thought their intentions were either constructive or productive. They were really after the same thing I'm after. They may not have known how to phrase it, or maybe they did and I just didn't like hearing it. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not sure, I can always ask, hey, remember that time in the meeting? And you had shared this with me. And I just wanted to get a better sense from you. Like, what was your intention in that? What did you want me to hear in that? What mm -hmm. were you hoping for? And just zip it yeah. and listen to them. What I find is that there are overwhelmingly people mean to be productive. Now, if they let their emotions get a hold of them and they were neither constructive or productive, they're usually going to do what I'm noticing in the comments I'm getting back from the troll comment kindness that I'm bringing to, which is they'll either be apologetic, like, oh, I was just upset. And I didn't accuse them. Did you notice the way I approached it? I didn't right. accuse them. You just asked them about their intention. I just asked them, like, what was your intention? What were you hoping would occur from that? And in that inspection for themselves, many of them will arrive at the fact that they were too harsh. Or they'll clarify that it was either constructive or productive. There is a rare occasion, but it does happen. People are just jerks. They mm -hmm. didn't have a positive, they didn't have a constructive or productive intention. And they themselves are unapologetically jerks about it. And at that moment, I realize like those are people I don't intend to configure with if I can help it. That's not part of a, a healthy relationship to be around people like that. However, it's easy for me to discount anything they say because they're not willing to back it up with a commitment towards improving me with it or to improving the situation we're supposed to be after together. And if they're not committed to one of those two things, then from my point of view, I don't know why I need to take it personally. It's much more about them than it is about me. 100%. So I love these questions because I think they can be something for our listeners to really hold on to. So when you are in a situation where you've gotten some criticism, something that's stung, you can ask yourself, what was their intention? Is it constructive? In other words, is it something about me or is it productive? Something about the situation. And then if you're not sure, ask them. And yeah, I think that those are really good questions. And I think the other piece is that I always think about is, is it really about me? Because that's kind of our default, always thinking, they think I suck, I actually suck, or whatever it is, depending, of course, on your confidence in yourself, right? And yeah. some days you have more confidence than others. And some people trigger you. And there's all kinds of other things that come up, like 
they might remind you of somebody from your past. And all of a sudden you were usually very confident. All of a sudden it's like, you're totally off. You're kind of derailed off track. So is it really about me or is it about them? And I think that we get into trouble when we assume it's about us. And we also get into trouble when we assume that people have bad intentions. So this idea of being more open, being more intentional, being more curious and investigating the situation. And what I love, you did so beautifully is you kind of set some boundaries up ahead of time for yourself. You said, I'm going to explore whether it's A, B, or C. And if it's A or B, this strategy is going to help me move forward. It's going to help me grow. It's really approaching it with this growth mindset. And if it's C, which is the person who is just being a jerk, then I don't have to take it personally because then it's about them. Right. So any way this goes, whether it's A, B, or C, I'm basically covered, right? I'm either growing or I'm discounting. So Nelson Mandela has a famous quote. He says, I never lose. I either win or I learn. And that's what I'm trying to set up here in this. Now, I will say again, there are jerks out there and... We're all, as human beings, people of the human variety, this seems to apply to everyone, we're in this strange balance, this, this tension that we have to handle for ourselves between be careful the yardsticks I allow people to measure me by because they may not be appropriate yardsticks. There may be better ones that I can create for myself to reach rather than what society says or someone else around me says. And at the same time, and, and we all know that, intuitively, but at the same time, you'll sometimes hear people say like, well, don't give a hooey what anyone thinks. It's like, well, mm. we don't have that luxury though. Yeah. Because in order to turn out a decent life, we also have to configure with other people. We exchange help all the time in order to create things in the world. We can't do it alone. Like none of us is sufficient to, to live a decent life on our own. So we all need other people's help. So we can't just give up on, don't care what anybody thinks about you. Well, be sure you've got your own compass yeah. for what matters most to you and you find meaningful in life. And at the same time, we also have to find the right circles of people to configure help-wise in order to turn out our lives for them and for us. We all need each other's help. And so there are places where getting feedback will matter, it, particularly if it's constructive to help me improve yes. or productive to help improve a situation that we're invested in together. And in those two scenarios, I'm willing to take the growth. Now, some of the people who share that feedback may have a constructive or productive intention and they don't have the capability for how to handle it. So I have to sort that out. So for example, I don't presume just because somebody could be critical of me that they have the knowledge to coach me on how to improve it. Right. Like I've had people that can be critical of me. Yes. They themselves haven't produced the situation that they're saying I should produce. Which is very, very often the case, right? And we see this even with our kids, right? So they'll complain about this and that and the other. And then you ask, so how would you do it? Or how do you want the situation to go? I don't know. The like first uh, thing yeah. out of their mouth. Yeah. Right? And so I look for, is there any evidence I would have of them that they have produced the kind of situation they're instructing me that they think I should be doing? Yes. And if they have, then there's a chance to learn from them. And if they haven't, then I can at least learn from their point and go seek better help exactly. from other people, from people yes. who have accomplished it. Yes. When I do speaking engagements, I often survey the crowd to see what are the comments of like things that they liked and things that they didn't like, because I always want to tweak my presentation and, yeah. and I learn from those comments. 
And so I want to say, we know this phenomenon that happens in the brain where like if 99 people out of a hundred tell you that it was fantastic. And then that one person has something negative to say, that's what your brain's going to focus on. So I think that's another thing is to remember to put things into perspective. Yes. Learn from those comments because everybody else might just be kind of stroking your ego while that other person is being honest, or it could be as you often talk about that. They're just being mean or hateful and, or and so you kind of have to whatever having is, a bad yeah. day right so you have to kind of assess that for yourself and bring your brain back to what's helpful for you maybe it's helpful for you to focus on that comment because that's where the growth is and maybe it's helpful for you to also to focus on the positive comments because you worked really hard on it and this is like your pat on the back you know, but it's also interesting. I just listened to an episode on hidden brain about this whole feedback thing. Mm -hmm. And what they were talking about is that usually when we get feedback and it's not like glowing, right. When there's like those constructive things that we need to work on, we don't learn very much from that. Why? Because our egos are so injured that it wasn't like a glowing review that it's hard for us to take it in. Whereas if we're looking over the shoulder of somebody else who gets the exact same feedback, we tend to learn more. Oh, of that's course. actually really interesting, right? And yeah, I'm like, so yeah. I thought, what if I mentioned that? And now that that's a phenomenon that happens automatically in your brain, you can override that by when you do get that feedback, say to yourself, maybe there's something in this for me. Like, I know that I want to discount this. I want to push it away. I want to not think about it. But Maybe if I'm really serious about, you talked about commitment. If I'm committed to growing, maybe this is my chance to really take down the heat a little bit, calm down and say like, okay, what can I learn from this? This is actually good, right? This person said that, I'll give an example. Uh, I just did a speaking engagement. And one of the comments that I got was something along the lines of, if we just wanted information, we go to Google or something like that. Whereas other people were like, oh, this was so helpful. And it's helped me not just in my personal life, but in my professional life. So you're always going to get like a mix. And so I was like, I, I want to understand. So then I, that's where I go back to my presentation and I'm like, is it just information? Did I do enough of this engagement thing? Did I put it into context for them, for their, like, I'm asking myself these questions because I come at it from the perspective of there's a bit of truth in everything, right? It, even if it's just the one person, they see it from that perspective. And so if they see it and they're saying something, there's probably other people who might think that, but they aren't saying something. And so if I'm truly committed to growing, I'm going to go back and kind of just not kind of lose my confidence and say like, oh my God, I sucked, but say, is there an opportunity for me to improve here? Maybe yes, maybe no. Yeah, look, I operate similarly in that you've probably heard the expression, opinions are like belly buttons, everyone's got them. Yeah. So I do accept that all opinions are equally valid because anyone can conjure up their opinion. Sure. They're not all equally effective. For sure. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to sort out, is this effective? And so even when I can't ask the person, like I was saying before, where if I right. need to, I'll try to ask the person. But let's say I can't. Let's say it was surveys. I've got a pile of surveys from the last time I spoke somewhere. And let's say there's negative feedback on there. I can't reasonably go back and ask them their intentions. So then I just project for myself. I go, is there anything constructive that I can mm -hmm. do that I could see that this addresses for me to improve? Yeah. Or is there anything productive, right, that'll make for a better situation in the presentation? 
that I gave? And if the answer is yes, then I'll invent a way to learn from it. Even if it wasn't their intention, I can still sometimes find good things in it. However, even if they meant it constructively or productively in either case, if I can't find something that I can reasonably do, and I say reasonably because I'm not going to like scour the planet for an answer right. to one comment I got from one person no, in the situation. For sure. Right. But if I can do something that seems what I'll call commensurate with the amount of the efforts worth the the outcome or better, right? If I can produce a better outcome from it, then I'll consider it, mm -hmm. right? Instead of take it personally. But I'm always looking for the pattern recognition. Yes. So how many audiences do you need to speak in when, even if it's just one person was brave enough to tell you in the survey each time, but over a few times, what you get back is you talk too fast, too many words. That's constructive and productive, meaning I can produce a better situation from that. Mm -hmm. And that has me take a breath. That has me slow down in the next presentation because they actually meant it, but in a constructive way. They meant for it to, the, the way they were hearing it, they were having troubles following. That's fair. Now, having said that though, I do, even in the social media comments I was talking about, like on TikTok, for example, when folks are giving me feedback, like, hey, it's not always about the rhyming. Like you need more than that to do a rap, critique my rap, right? Mm. Now, the fun part for me is I'm really not a rap person. Like I, I've right. never rapped in my life That's until two years ago. <laughs> so there are real rappers out there and their skill at rapping so confounds me. It's so good. I'm not that. I sure. call myself a dad rapper on purpose. I know it's cringe. I created the lyrics. I can hit the pockets if somebody, if I can get a little feedback and things like that. But I'm not really about the quality of the rap. But I can tell some people mean for it to help. Like, hey, you can't just rhyme some words and say you got a great rap. And it's like, that's true. In fact, I addressed it in my last troll rap. You might have seen it. So that's something I look for. Like, is there something I can do differently? Fine. That's useful. But then there was another person, the troll comment came back and it said, if I had a voice like yours, I'd never speak again. And I thought, oh, like I, I, how to put it. If you've heard yourself enough, like almost all of us, when we hear ourselves yeah. for the first time in a recording, yeah. we go, ooh, I sound like that. Right. Right. Like we all have that for a while. And then for me, I realized, well, yes, that is how I sound. And as odd as that sounds to me, because I'm not used to hearing myself, that is how everybody's heard me and it's gotten me this far in life. It's okay. And so even though it's unusual to me and you get used to it, so I'm not offended by it. But what's really, really hurtful in that comment for somebody who could be offended is you just picked on something they can't change. That's right. That's so absolutely right. There's nothing constructive or productive in that. And yes. when I, this was one of the ones I had to kill with kindness a little bit, I believe. And I went back to this, it turns out this woman's profile. And on her profile, there's uh, on TikTok profiles, some people can choose nonprofits they support and put the link there. And she actually had a nonprofit support. I'm forgetting the acronym at the moment, but it was effectively for mental wellness and suicide prevention. And I remember thinking to myself, oh. there is no way, and I could tell from her profile, she was a mother of two, and there was no way that she meant to cause that kind of harm. There's no way. She lost her humanity for a moment, right? And picked on something I couldn't change. And I know anybody who supports that and has two kids did not mean to cause something that if it had hit the person who really was now, well, I'm never going to do this again right? and shut down, that could be extremely hurtful. And part of why I'm doing it isn't just the experiment for fun. Part of why I'm doing it is if I can trigger people to remember there's humans on the other side 
and create a relationship, do you think that's going to impact the next time they're impulsed to do something negative to somebody else on the other side yeah. who might not be able to receive it? I'm hoping it will. Wow. That's a powerful mission. That really is. Well, I'll yeah. call it a side mission. It was never the point of my channel. Well, uh, however, it's a side mission of mine. This is how life works. It's like you have this mission, you're on your journey to do something to accomplish that thing. And then you hit a road bump and you address it. And all of a sudden you got yourself a side mission. There it is. But you never intended to end up here. And this is where life kind of threw you. And you're dealing with it in a way that is changing humanity. Well, <laughs> I can never measure how much I'm changing humanity. However, you, it you're is, not going to measure it. If it's but one, one conversation at a time, at the very least. But it's a, such a beautiful thing that we can all do. And it's so inspirational to know that we don't have to ignore people when they're saying these things, that there's ways that we can engage with them, that we can, as you say, kill them with kindness and make them turn 180 degrees to become somebody who actually thinks twice before they do that sort of thing again, because it is a way of preventing future harm. I would like to believe that those folks that responded back to me with an apology or a recant or even to follow me after leaving something that was not a kind comment, I have to believe they'll give pause to doing that again to the next person. Yeah. And so I think we have two lessons today. One is that if you are the target of this negativity from others, that you stop and depersonalize it and ask yourself some questions that help you deal with the situation head on and allow you to grow and potentially can help turn the other person around. And I think the other lesson is that if you are the kind of person who tends to be critical and negative and mean-spirited, that you stop and think about the implications of what you're saying, if you happen to be in a bad mood or whatever, that you too need to just think before you do something like that. Because there have been people who take their life or do something really drastic because you know what, you don't know what that person is dealing with. Maybe they have like serious depression and they've put themselves out there and now you're bullying them and they just are like, this is the straw that broke the camel's back and I can't deal with another thing. Like you don't want to be responsible for that. So think before you do things, especially if they're hurtful, if you're in a bad mood, get yourself together, address the situation like an adult, and let's all remember that there are humans on the other side and they're just like us. This is kind of when, when we talk about those, like the meta meditation, they're always talking about like that person just like me. And, and then you fill in the blank, like they want the same things and they have the same pains. And I think we forget that so often. So we need to be reminded of that so that we don't cause harm and that we can be resilient in the face of this kind of situation, whether it's at work, on social media, or anywhere else on the road. So thank yeah. you, Eric, for championing this mission for us and, and really being the face of an innovative strategy that we can use across the board to help us be more emotionally intelligent and more resilient in the face of stress. Well, it's my pleasure. And it's been fun joining you again. 
And I highly recommend if you haven't watched some of the dad raps that Eric has put out that you go to his TikTok channel and check those out because they are a lot of fun. And it is really an illustration of how he puts this strategy to work. So that's my call to action for you for today. Now, for all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you are a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all of you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can also leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you are ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Bye everybody. 